We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Name More NBA podcast brought to you by the Genesis Company coming at you Friday morning. It's December 22nd. We got Kyle Tagge here with me today. The Wolves beat the Lakers 118 111. They're now 21 and 6, still tied with the Boston Celtics for the best record in the league. Uh, Kyle, we put together a bunch of different, probably too many niche sort of topics to get into from, from this game. Um, but just, I, I, I guess, bigger picture, they have six losses this year. Obviously, they lose Wednesday night in, in Philly. Um, but they've never lost two in a row. I don't know if I've really talked about that at all this season. I don't know if it's even all that. Like, maybe that's just what what good teams do. Um, but what, what do you what do you make out of that? Kind of the resiliency of, of this team. And it kind of, like, seems like, an assumption of theirs or a belief of theirs that, you know, we're not going to lose multiple games in a row. And they, they didn't last night. What do you make of that? Just to start. Uh, it is Friday, December 22nd. Uh-huh. And the Timberwolves still haven't lost two straight regular season games since March 31st, 2023. That was 267 days ago. Wow. That was my only stat I had written down. So now it's just all <laughs> vibes. Uh, it is crazy though. Right. And yep. I was, we we talked about this earlier this week at Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey, but they uh all the losses are kind of like okay, like that you know like we came into the season as hyped as we were and in, in the preseason all that stuff, but that first Raptors game you're like yeah this is just a weird matchup it's just it's mm-hmm. a, little, a little odd being on the road for your first game in Toronto and stuff. The Atlanta game was obviously the worst loss of the season. There's not a lot to pick from, but it was that was a really bad loss. Then like the Phoenix one. Like, ah, yeah, that was after an emotional Golden State back-to-back that they won both. Uh, And then the Phoenix game was a back-to-back itself, too, coming off of the second Golden State game. Yep. Yep. And then uh, the Pelicans loss, I think that's when they had they got Zion back. Did Ant play on that? That was like a week ago. No, yeah, that was that was no Ant. So just, you know, stipulation or simulation or whatever was a little weird. Kings one. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Kings one. That was about that was the Kings one to me stands out again. They're 21 and six. Just everyone just take like I'm excited for that game on Saturday. Like that that to to play the 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 Kings again there because that was I don't know not like the worst loss but like the 
the the maybe healthiest. the one that got beat most. Yeah, <laughs> like, like that yeah. was the one where I I remember coming away from being like, and it was the in season tournament thing where it's like if you win this, there there was actually yeah. some stake in it, mm-hmm. and they just of all the games that they've lost again, count them on one hand essentially. That one was the one where they got outplayed, and you're like, oh, that could be an issue moving mm-hmm. forward. Like they didn't dictate the pace or anything. They struggled to rebound. They just gave up so many open threes. But yeah, to bring it all back, they haven't lost two in a row. I don't even think that's a product of just being a good team. That's crazy. Like we're yeah, two months into the season and just uh, last night again, I know both teams, Wolves and Lakers, were on the second night of a back-to-back. And one of those, I kind of freaked out about this earlier in the week after the Philly game and you and Britt went very in-depth on the whole fouling thing. But my my takeaway from that was like not all fouls are created equal, right? And I think that was Britt's point too is like, a shooting foul and a non-shooting foul are a lot different. Uh, not all back-to-backs are the same. But, yeah, both teams had to travel on the second night to a different city. They come back. No LeBron. But what I took away from last night, and not to already move to Chapter 2, but Let's do it. Wolves played everybody. Second night, back-to-back, first in the West. Last night at home, they had every excuse to just sit a guy or be like, ah, Mike, we're just going to we're gonna have you sit for a little bit or – we're going to take it easy. We're going to limit minutes, load management, all that stuff. And you tweeted it out in the afternoon. Every single player was available. And that's cool. And that's part of this culture thing that is hard to define because we're not in it, mm-hmm. but we experience it. And that's that's Finch. That's Conley. That's this new Wolves mentality where we're going to try to win every game. And yeah. you can, you know, second guess this down the road if someone does stub a toe or sprain an ankle, but... I mean, they don't win last night's game without Mike Conley playing, and we can get into the Mike Conley D'Lo stuff, but he was awesome. He's 36. He could have easily sat for 20 other teams in the league, and he didn't, and that's just part of this whole formula that's really working right now is that everyone shows up every day thinking not only are we going to win, but we're going to play, and that's sometimes 90% of the battle. I I, I don't have this clip because it was from before the game when we were doing pregame media, but I, I asked Finch about that, and I was like, you, you've said a million times you, you're going to be a team that plays, right? Like he, they've telegraphed this since the beginning of the season. Like we are not going to be uh, a rest team. Our players don't want to be a rest team or whatever. So I was like, okay, what's like a different way to ask this? I'm like, how have you seen the benefit of that? Right. And uh, I wasn't really expecting this, but he was like, we wanted to create an identity coming into the season. That was one of our most primary goals. And we wanted that being a team that plays to be a part of that identity. And, and he goes, it can be the identity because our guys want that, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not we're they weren't, didn't force this idea into their identity. They chose it to be part of their identity because uh, the the guys want to do that. And like you managed, or you mentioned with uh, Mike Conley, that's kind of like the one, right? Where you're like, well, this would be the guy that makes sense at 36 years old to maybe rest on a back-to-back here and there. But he's kind of the perfect example of it in that he might want to play more than anyone else does. He he wants, uh, he doesn't want that, that night off. And John asked Finch about just kind of the, the whole thing around Conley specifically with, uh, with these back-to-backs. And here's that clip. You know, what have been your conversation with him like about, playing on back-to-backs about just the minute slow that you want him to have at, you know, 36 years old and, and with how important he is to you guys. 
So, yeah, I mean, Mike, uh, he's annoyed when I'm asking him how he's feeling. Um, he feels fine. He says he's great. Um, and, he's, you know, he told me the other day that he actually usually finds that he plays better the second night of a back-to-back oftentimes. So, and which is, this is a, uh, he did so in Phoenix. So he did again tonight. So I now have to believe him. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I just trust him. Like he takes care of his body. We look out for him in the right ways, but he wants to play. And, um, you know, I think tonight, like it's probably that Brown to the max that, he, that we wanted to play him, but we're not overthinking it. Yeah. Kyle, I've, so Jace is doing these like weekly sit downs. So good, so with, good with Mike Conley. Yeah, everybody check that out. Conley Corner, um, PioneerPress.com. Jace, obviously, you know, that was the one they approved. They didn't allow me to do the Minot minute, so they gave Jace Conley Corner. <laughs> uh, but j- just from talking to Jace, who's obviously getting to know you know Mike really well through doing that, is just he's kind of been saying to me for the for the couple months of just these like random little anecdotes where he's like he's like Mike's like crazy competitive, like, and, and you don't, and you don't really get that right from Mike's disposition, particularly like off the floor. I think we see like flashes of it on the floor, but sometimes too, he's like on the floor, cool cucumber. Um, but, but this is an example of that competitiveness. What other 36 year old, you know, in the league is, I guess, historically or like last year who did this i I don't know i mean maybe that's something i need to look up and be like who is the oldest player to play the most uh amount of games but probably lebron (laughs) whatever whatever the search didn't play last night yeah yeah oh yeah um but i i just think uh i think it's it's noteworthy that it's mike because we've talked about this before where you have these different types of leaders or the leaders who lead in different ways between Mike or between Ant and Cat and Rudy, right? But Mike is your more traditional leader, I guess, in, in just maybe some maturity and, and how his per- personality is. He's a leader in the fact that he gets followed, you know? Mm-hmm. And um yeah, this this is part of the identity. It, it it starts with the leadership and not just Mike wanting to play, but you know, Ant does too. Rudy Rudy's 31, like Rudy doesn't want to be resting and sitting on these back-to-backs either, you know, and um, it's, uh, yeah, I'm just, it's congealing into making sense that this is part of the identity uh, of this team. And yeah, they've owned, this is only their second back-to-back of the year. Finch also said, you know, we're going to be mindful about this going forward. I don't think this means like pencil in Mike Conley for 82 games this year, but they're going to lean on the side of being a team uh, that plays and that's just going to make you win more games, right? Like it's, this is a, uh, I think we said this when we were doing preseason stuff like this is, that's one reason to bet the over, right? Is, is that you knew that that's what they were signaling coming into the season. We're going to be a team that plays. And, and because of that, they're going to be a, they're proving to be a team that wins. Yeah. On that competitive note about Minnesota, Mike, you were in the locker room last night. There was a, I don't know who, if the video is from the team or something, but, Mike was getting interviewed post game in the locker room and they were asking him about like that steal that he had. Yeah. Uh, and then Ant just kind of chimed in from the corner, like I would have dunked on you or whatever. And then Mike just like subtly, you have to go watch the video because Mike's face. I should have clipped it. My bad. He, he's literally being a professional, giving a good interview to all you media members. And then he kind of just looks to the side with this little wink in his eye and was like, I would have stole it from you too. <laughs> like, just like, no, you know, like, 
Yeah. Anthony Edwards is the face of this team. He's the face of this franchise in this city right now. And Mike just has no fear kind of looking at him. Like, I would have got it from you too. Like, I would have I would have beat you too. So he's Because he's legit really good at it. Like, he's, yep. that's not just a joke. Like, he probably would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and and to the to just to the bigger picture thing, the beauty of these Friday pods, it's all vibes, right? Like, you get all the smart people out of the way. And now we can get into things that you can't really measure. But you're there. So I really want to flip it back to you you're there you go to the shoot rounds you go to the the practices you go to all the post game pregame stuff this stuff matters right like this matters this matters to 21 and 22 year olds and 23 year olds that might get dinged up might get hit on a hard screen might fall down on their hip and they see the 36 year old the oldest person in the locker room and he just continues to want to play and he doesn't want to sit and he's gonna he's gonna do all the stuff like again you look around the league there's just not a lot of 36 year olds that are playing this consistently this many minutes and playing at this high level too, right? Like it's, that's the other thing. He finishes the night, 16 points, eight assists, two steals, one block, just one turnover, one foul, super efficient, six for nine from the field, four for six from three. It's really incredible. And that's enough Minnesota Mike talk for a second, but it also kind of dovetails into last night was a really good example for me of the differences between this team's this season's point guard and last season's starting point guard because one finish was 16 points on nine shots. The other finish was 17 points on 19 shots. One finish with eight assists and one turnover, one finish with eight assists and four turnovers. Just the efficiency and the leadership that Mike brings is a major, major, major part of why this now works. And it didn't work last year with D'Angelo Russell. No, that's a great part. And the defense too, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and they were a good defensive team last year when, when they had D'Angelo Russell. But I think what maybe makes them an elite defensive team this year, obviously the time it's not all just swapping Conley for Russell, but that Mike can be, you know, five eleven or six foot, whatever he is and not be a liability whatsoever defensively. I think about that Boston game a lot where he should just physically be a defensive liability and he was important in that game defensively specifically so yeah i mean i think that swap amongst other reasons just the defensive one is is why a way in which mike has has really just elevated this team and the and delo didn't play all the time either you know that's a that that's a factor too over the i mean the the, the time that he was here it was there were sporadic in and outs for three games here and there. And, and those were injuries and stuff. But in 51 games, Mike Conley's been on the team, played the Wolves have had 51 games since Mike Conley uh, was traded for. He's played in all 51 of those games, plus the five, well, plus I guess the play, the two playing games, plus the five postseason games. And what is that, 58? He's played in all of them. There's been six back to backs through that and Mike Conley's played in every single game. And that's, <laughs> I mean, and he was at the young gravy concert too for the Jersey debut. No. And, and again, this isn't, I'm not going to pivot. That, that was, this, that must've been harder than a back-to-back for him. I think. Uh, no comment. I, I just want to pivot this. There, there, you can't watch last night's game and you can think about 21 and six and you can think about the offensive execution or another high maturity game from Carl, who we should probably talk about at some point. Yeah, for sure. But, it really, you can't watch that game last night and not think about the trade deadline of last year, especially 
last week we kind of kicked off trade season, right? And now we're going to be into trade talk for the next two months. But that Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker for D'Angelo Russell trade, man, I mean, I don't know how deep you want to go into it, but it that is that is one of the best trades. If this team were to hypothetically be as good and go as far as we're starting to kind of creep into our minds think that trade becomes one of the best trades ever <laughs> like for what they got and again if you watch last night's game and you just well oh Delo had 17 and 8 and Mike had 16 and 8 like what's the big difference you can't box score hunt that one because yeah. it's just Delo kind of shot him back into it in that late fourth quarter but Should that's because do. he had already shot hit shot them out of it right mm-hmm. I think he had one point entering the fourth quarter and for the Delo stuff it's just He's better than his haters think he is, but he's not as good as his, as his fans think he is. And that's kind of the conundrum. But they just the, the maturity, the ability to dominate, not dominate, but just have an effect on both sides of the ball. I mean, last night, too, I know I'm just shitting on him right now and I try not to. But Delo said something after the game. He's like, yeah, defense is I try to be better at it, but that's not what I do. And that's kind of a like you're kind of claiming that if you can't make shots, you're not impacting the game. And for Mike. Mike has shown that he can impact the game without always having to score, but then he'll hit you with that three in transition that's a killer, right? Like, he still has that competitiveness. He still thinks, I can get a bucket just as well as anyone else on this team. So, And that's big because I still have this thing planted in my brain for future pod stuff. This team still lacks scoring, and it's another thing I think about every night. The Kyle Anderson minutes, some of the Nas Reed stuff, I still think this team lacks another score. And if Mike can give you a little more there, Maybe that eases some of the stress as you approach trade season. I I actually want to focus on that. Um, That that is becoming more and more the third offensive weapon on this team, right? It's Cat and Ann. Mm -hmm. um, And then the third weapon is that Gobert and Conley two-man game, at least like in, in the half court. Um, But let's, uh, let's grab our, our first ad break here. Today's show is brought to you by your home improvement company um we're excited about having i I love having local sponsors uh on the show it makes you know it makes sense for me i think it makes sense for them many of you listening about like 64 percent according (laughs) to my metrics uh the metrics i get uh are are here local uh in in minnesota and uh we know not all of you your home improvement company knows that not every single one of you needs a new bathroom or, or needs new windows at your house. But some of you do and will do that. And maybe over the holidays, you're going to be sitting around and you're going to be thinking about, you know, man, we had our we had our family over and our uh, our upstairs bathroom is bad. <laughs> you know, let's <laughs> let's get that. Uh, let's get that taken care of uh, for, for next year. And your home improvement company uh, for the month of December is is offering free installation on a uh on a bathroom install, um, no interest, no payments, nothing down till 2025. Uh, you can, you can contact your home improvement company at just yhic.com um, or at 844-270-7180. Also um, winter drafty windows. You're, you're going to be letting in cold air this winter. If, if that's what you got going on at your house right now, your home improvement company has custom built, and energy efficient windows direct from the factory that come with a lifetime warranty. And also in December, uh, they're offering a buy two windows, get two windows deal um, at, at half the cost. Also no interest, no payments, nothing down until 2025. So if you are considering new windows or a new bathroom, uh, what we always say is, you know, keeping the Wolves family, your home improvement company is supporting this show, makes it possible uh, for us to do this. 
and uh, we'd love if if you do have one of these projects to consider going to them again, 844-270-7180 to set up a consultation or just go to yhic.com, your home improvement company where it's your home made better. Um, all right, Kyle, uh, after the game, well, just really in the, in the second half there, right. The Lakers are putting two on the ball on ant all the time. That might be mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. aggressive of a, blitzing of ant that that i've seen in any game ever you know and that was we're not gonna let that be uh what beats us was was kind of their their plan in in this game obviously you know then that opens up space for carl right Mm -hmm. and i thought carl we'll talk about that too uh has looked great off the dribble attacking he was he's just getting to the bucket with less resistance and part of that is is additional uh attention that that ant is receiving, but also it's more decisiveness from from Carl. But I want to talk about like the the third weapon, I mm-hmm. main weapon in in the arsenal for this team is the the Conley Gobert two man game, right? It's it's something they've they're going to I think more and more over time. I think it's getting more and more effective. It's like you see that right, like Mike does the thing where he waves like Troy Brown Jr. in the left corner. He's like get over to the right corner. And then it's just him and Rudy on the left side of the floor. And it's a really sort of dominant action. And to have that, again, in your arsenal, in addition to Ant and Cap, because we know that you can somewhat take away Ant with the double, right? You can somewhat take away Carl away with the double in the post. To be elite, elite, this team needs um, that, that third weapon, and uh, I think that's becoming something that they can really go to. And I think about in the playoffs when when things are bogged down and you're playing more in the half court, I think that's going to be a weapon. It's going to be one of those things that you can just kind of like hammer and maybe force the Clippers to take Zubats out of the game or, mm-hmm. you know, or the Suns to take Nurkic out, whatever. I, I just think we should be acknowledging that, that that is a, a, a serious weapon in here. I have a, I have a, a, a clip from Rudy, but just kind of first your thoughts on the chemistry of that, that two man pairing and also just like the effectiveness of it. Well, I want to talk about another trade in a sec, but uh, I will say too, cause I texted you this late last night as I'm just, there's nothing better for a fan. I know I'm speaking for a lot of people here and maybe you too, but just after a win to just start to go around and get some funny tweets, see what Tim Rolls Brazil posted uh read some fun stats but i did i looked at the box score last night i think i took a screenshot of it and just saved it which is so weird but the starting five just if you go look at the box score for the starting five it's kind of like a perfect box score and we'll go back to the mike and rudy stuff too but and it was it was the first time in franchise history where each starter had 10 plus points three plus assists and one or more steals mm. but it was just it's such a balance because that's something i've been thinking about too is like okay and you take out Ant for a sec, and then you take out Carl. Like, who is the third banana? And Jaden's giving you a little more offense since returning. Nikhil oh, will come in. It's Rudy and Mike. It's Rudy and Mike, and it's really like, it's like, uh, I don't know. I think back to like my high school days of high school tennis. It's like you have your one or two really good tennis players, and then your third, your third banana is like your doubles team. And Mike and and Rudy are this elite doubles partners that they just get each other so much, and it makes me think again. And this last time I'll bring it up. The Rudy Gobert trade was just lauded at the time, July 2022, and then from there on forward is just the worst trade ever because of the picks and all the compensation. But it's it was like the Utah Jazz gave the Wolves this lockbox, and then 
six months later gave them the passcode. Like I, I honestly, it's a serious question I have from like a basketball standpoint is if you have all of these picks that are owed to you from this team, why would you give them the password to unlock this seven foot three Frenchman? And they did that. And ever since Mike's been here, I mean, that's as much of the Rudy Gobert unlocking and all this stuff clicking as anything else. But I don't know how you, from a well-rounded team, like when you said at the top, they haven't lost two in a row. Is that the sign of a really good team? I think it's a sign of a really good team when you have not only multiple options, but it's also not just all ISO options, right? Like Ant, the way he gets his, he said this after the Miami game, is way harder than I think Carl has to get his. Carl has the easiest way to get a bucket, I think, on the team. But you have the way Ant can do it, the way Carl can do it, and then if those two options don't work, throw the ball back to Mike, let him bring Rudy up, and you have this unstoppable two-man game that, it, yeah, they just have a ton of weapons right now. I don't think all the weapons are sharpened enough. The offense still has, yeah. again, weekly meat on the bone. But the way that Mike has unlocked Rudy, the way those two interact, that is another reason I think we give Carl this, he's the ceiling. I think if Mike and Rudy are executing this well together in a two-man game, that is also just a new ceiling that I've never really thought of. And at least a floor. Right. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like, it's probably like more important as a floor. Yeah. Yeah. That where it, if cat, you know, if ants having, which happens sometimes, you know, like one of his four for 18 games and Carl's in foul trouble or something, like it does give you some stability to, to the floor of what this team can be offensively, which is important because they're not as good of an offensive team as, as they are a defensive team. I, I asked this is a little bit of a long clip, but I, I at least thought it was interesting. Um, it's Gobert talking about the the kind of the power of the the two man game with Conley and I, I thought the part at the end was was interesting too of like I don't know when this this comes up Kyle like listen he doesn't want to do it too much because it makes the other three players on the team get bored I I was like I never thought about it that way so I'll play this clip and then I will I want to talk about that part uh, in particular. The pairing with you and Mike is really the, the, the two-man, like, empty corner pick-and-roll stuff. It seems like you guys have been doing that more and more, and it's been a more and more effective weapon. To have something like that in addition to Carl and Ant offensively, what is, what is that a really different style way to generate points kind of mean for you guys? It's a lot of weapons, you know, and it's, uh, it's uh, for us, it's... I mean, we know that obviously the talent that we have, the, the also Mike, myself, uh, the, the experience that we have, uh, and, and uh, what I really love this year is that we we finding balance into what we do, you know, and uh, and also we realizing what you know based on who we playing, the way they guarding us, uh, what is more likely to be even more efficient, and uh, that's credit to I mean all of us, the coaching staff, and and. Uh, Especially Ant, because a lot of it is Ant um, gaining their maturity, understanding that he doesn't need to score 40 to be the best player, uh, the best offensive player on the floor. He doesn't need to, you know, um, to force. Like he can, if he has two guys on him, that's the highest form of respect you can hope. You know, and sometimes it's two, sometimes it's three guys. You know, and uh, just making the simple play um, opens up everything for everybody else and. And we have some pretty good guys uh, around him, so you know. Kind of seems like you go to it when they're putting two on the ball and ant a lot. The, the two man. Yeah, game yeah, we go to it. Like, I mean, we go to it. Try to go to it regardless. We just try not to yeah. abuse it. Right. It's kind of like it's kind of like not fun, you know. <laughs> it's it's really easy, but uh, uh, but we don't want to abuse it early, you know. Maybe yeah. if it's you know playoff time, like we might run it a lot. 
if we need. But uh, right now, we just try to keep learning, you know, running different actions. Uh, we seeing different coverages, and it's really important that we able to yeah use the regular seasons to 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 work on all those different you know actions. Sorry about that. I, I thought the the element about Ant there was interesting, right? And I've just noticed this over the course of the season, so many more uh, compliments by Rudy to his teammates. And I think he's like one of those people who um, only gives compliments when he believes they're deserved, you know, like mm -hmm. he, he, mm -hmm. he hold like that's a, it's a precious thing to give or something. And uh, it is a credit to Ant, right. That that can be um, that, that Carl can right now it's, it's getting to be like, Carl and Ant basically have like the same stat line, same amount of shots. Like Ant's recognizing that seems cool with that. He's cool with allowing them to, you know, for four of seven possessions, just really go at it with the, the two man game with, with, with Rudy and Mike. So I think that's wise to, to give, uh, to, to give credit to Ant there. And, and then just also additionally, I thought it was interesting. He was like, we don't want to, we don't want to run that too much. I'm like, I don't know, man. Like you guys are like, 15th and offense like that's really he goes it's too easy i'm like okay uh but i guess i get it in in when you do run that two-man game and it's in the corner like nobody else is really touching it it is like we are running this action and we're going to try and find rudy on the roll or mike's going to try and come off of it and take like a a step back three or whatever maybe a floater um but i i just i don't know i found that i found that all interesting and another signal of like this team is growing offensively uh, even if it's not fully reflected in the numbers, it's you know, I'm keeping in my mind this idea that a lot of these Finch teams offensively come the turn of the new year after Christmas, right, have really become elite offensively. And it's it's sort of these it's a it's a gradual process, but we know we've seen it multiple years where 25, 30 games in the year, they click into becoming so much more than they than they were offensively. And if we're looking for breadcrumbs for why that could be, I think this is the, the ant element of that and the effectiveness of this third weapon is a reason to believe that, yeah, this this could be a top 10, top five offensive team in addition to being, I don't know, a, a top two defense uh, at the end of the season as well. Um, yeah, I just found that all interesting. It harkens me back to, ironically, when uh, Kevin Garnett gave that awesome, awesome viral little speech where he was, loading yeah. up all the different weapons that's oh. kind of what the wolves do right like they're loading <laughs> up they got this anthony edwards isolation they got this carl you know spacing from three they have this mike conley and rudy gobert pick and roll i i, I listen to rudy talk and also too rudy does a lot of post-game stuff is that i mean you're there again like is that just because he's the friendly All, green always giant? says yes yeah. okay uh which yeah. I, I think needs to be like yeah, I mean, just I, mentioned because I've I, covered games. I just you. appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Not always do these guys want to talk and mm -hmm. not always do they. And I know people listening to this have a different view of the media sometimes. But those clips after games, especially after wins, are so like so valuable. And I just am appreciative that Rudy talks all the time. We still have a larger sample size of just bad Rudy experiment than we do good. Like last year was still, you know. You still think about the punch with Kyle and some of the I would even vibes. say last night the offense was more bad than good. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, just yeah, some, yeah. I mean, not even like on the court stuff, just like, you know, when you think oh, about Rudy still, you. it's still like, and I'm starting to wonder was last year, even though it was a full year, 
mm-hmm. was that whole last calendar year or whatever, was it just like a lot? Was it a lot for like, you're moving from one franchise that you've been with for eight or nine years and there's all this pressure and you're always hearing about the picks and you're always, a, because what I'm trying to ask you is Rudy Gobert seems like an awesome teammate. And I think that helps too. I think he is clearly more comfortable now than he was last year, but I don't know, man. Like last year, I'm thinking Rudy Gobert, Hakeem Olajuwon, post ups, calling for the ball, and now you're telling him like, "Hey, that that two man game you have is unstoppable." And he's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," but I don't want to bore my teammates. It's like that's like a completely different angle for this man who went from I need the ball to like, oh, actually, I don't need to touch the ball. Quick aside: stop dribbling, stop dribbling the ball up the court. Rudy Gobert, it was funny for a second. It is always a disastrous turnover. Stop. Give it to a guard. Uh, but anyway, did you, I watch, did you watch that whole post game of Rudy? Yes, I watched. Yes. Did yes. you hear the back and forth between him and Britt? Yep. Should <laughs> <laughs> have clipped that. Uh, no, it, it, it is. Though, right, it, go, go watch that. Britt, Britt just asked Rudy about uh, it. It was in good fun and everything. But uh, like Britt was like. Should you be dribbling the ball up in those in those fast break situations, or like should you should we passing off of it? And Rudy like points at him laughingly, like I'm gonna prove you wrong. <laughs> I'm gonna like, oh no, maybe not. Like, I'm well, at least he didn't fucking lie to his face. <laughs> uh, but no, it, it is it because that's something I've always thought. We've we've talked about this now. It's like you have Ant, you have Carl, but is like Jaden the third guy you go to as a scorer? You know, right? He's he's getting paid way more now moving forward or is it Nas and I don't even if you're a big proponent of the Mike and Rudy pick and roll I don't think this team knows exactly with a bullet who their third option is leader in the clubhouse would be this Mike and Rudy thing but I think that makes them tougher to guard that you know in that first half against Philly or whatever if you need Jane to just go off for a career high in the first half he can do that bring Nas off the bench so it's got to be harder to scout and strategize against the team that you don't know where that third punch is coming from. Uh, but the third punch right now is that everything that Mike does with Rudy and it opens up so many things, but it also keeps Rudy involved a little bit because I, I joke, but I do think when Rudy gets an offense or a defensive rebound and, and pushes the pace or he, there are less moments this year where he needs the ball, but I still think there are moments where you can kind of feel it in the screen that like, Hey, he needs a touch in a better way than just throwing in the ball in the post because he still doesn't really have a post move, but he does need a touch. And that's another th- reason why I love having like Mike as the point guard and not maybe point ant or some of this stuff is because yeah. Mike's not only getting his, but he has a vibe for like, okay, who hasn't touched the ball in a while? And that's like, to me, the number one thing of a point guard is just getting, you know, the guys in the right spots, but also getting the ball to people who maybe haven't touched in a while to keep mm-hmm. them engaged. So I don't know. The two man game is incredible. I don't know if you have any numbers on it, but just yeah, well, it came I, through last night again for sure. So I mean, I'm well on the record, particularly last season, of being like I thought this team needed to run more pick and roll. Um, Correct. But it was a way to add add structure to a team that I thought pretty clearly needed um, more offensive structure. Last year they were 24th in the league in the frequency of pick and rolls that they that they ran, and 12th in effectiveness. Uh, of those pick and rolls, you want to guess where they're at this season? In those two, and guess frequency first. How the Wolves run pick and roll at X frequency in the NBA? Ninth, nineteenth still. Oh wow, okay, yeah, it so, feels like more, right? Yeah, I would have said top ten for mm-hmm. sure, and and fourteenth in effectiveness uh, this year. 
but uh, it it isn't. I guess when you when you think about it too, I think it's it's maybe very deliberate and noticeable when they're doing it. It's less so like the quote unquote random pick and roll that uh, that you know teams teams get into. But what really stood out to me was uh, Mike Conley's the the frequency for him of of his offense that is derived from pick and roll. This is not a heavy overall pick and roll team, but he's ran the 25th most pick and rolls this season uh, in the NBA. And uh, I, I thought this was, was interesting of the 42 players who run 10 plus pick and rolls per game. Um, those pick and rolls are 67.2% of Mike's pie of his, of his entire offense. And uh, which is to say he doesn't do a lot else, right? He isn't mm-hmm. a big isolation player. He isn't, I mean, we know catch and shoot isn't his game, but comparatively spot ups or isolation or everything else, everything else is one third of his offense. 67% of his offensive generation uh, comes out of pick and roll. And, you know, I look at that 19th number, for the team of, of pick and roll. And I kind of think to myself, you know, that, that doesn't seem like enough, but I don't want the wolves to just run pick and roll to run pick and roll. Like Anthony Edwards, quite frankly, not great at that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, and that's a place where you would get more pick and roll. You don't Nikhil, you get a little bit of it. Um, I think it's okay to be 19th and overall pick and roll. So long as you're running a lot of it with Mike and Rudy. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. And yeah. and I think those numbers back up the idea that they are. And I think it's why, again, to kind of wrap this around, is why it is the third offensive weapon on this team. Behind Ant and Cap are number one and two in the offensive pecking order. But that's three, and it's a weapon. And judging by that answer from Rudy, it's going to be one that they believe in can be something in the playoffs that you can you know punish an opponent uh, with, and, and I think I'm like, okay, cool. I am, I'm getting to a place where I'm like, all right, Finch, I get flow. I get this. Um, we're doing just enough pick and roll that I think, um, it, it, it makes sense. It makes sense for this team. And that's definitely not what I was saying a year ago. And to now that it's wrapped around to put a bow on it, uh, it's another reason why this morning after that game against that team and that roster, Timberwolves 118, Lakers 111. You kind of thought that's what D'Lo was going to do with Rudy as well, is be like this pick and roll maestro two man game. Because when you watch, and I, I again, I think I'm maybe more bullish on D'Lo than the average person, but when you watch him like run two man game with Anthony Davis, it's incredible. It really is. Like they, but that's because Anthony Davis can can pop more. Mm-hmm. Is just you know a better offensive player than Rudy, but. You bring Mike in here and they're running pretty much the same actions as they tried with D'Lo. And he just knows how to get the pass. I think there was a moment last night where Ant and Rudy ran a two-man game and they doubled Ant. He kind of tried to split the pass and he like threw this pretty hard bounce pass. And Rudy's hands didn't translate very well and it was a turnover. So, yeah, you're right. Ant doesn't totally get – there's like spin you have to put on the ball. There's like a height where you have to put the ball. That's that's the whole Mike gets it, Kyle gets it. Although – you had a great tweet, not to spin off of this totally, but how ironic it was that last year, Kyle Anderson was like the only guy that spoke French and you needed him on the court. And now it's almost unplayable with those two guys. 
uh, the Kyle Anderson stuff continues to kind of be a roller coaster. But yeah, Mike and Rudy is like this team's vegetables in a sense. Like you have you can't just have a full day of vegetables. Uh, I will preach that. But you need to have some of it. And Finch probably at times needs to have more vegetables because it is so efficient. It is so strong. And it's just another weapon that Mm -hmm. I think there's ways to still get Carl and Ant in that mix, you know, like. I've loved when Rudy catches kind of that pass in, in the middle of the court and then he kind of does the Draymond thing where he turns and throws it to someone. So there's a lot of other actions off of that, but that's something that they can go to, especially maybe not late in games because you're still, you know, dealing with Rudy maybe getting fouled and having to go to the free throw line. But it's another action that's totally different than what Carl or Ant gives them. And it's something to keep monitoring because as when that's good, this team again is, it's not even the ceiling. Like you said, the floor is, Okay, they'll get a bucket or they'll at least get a good shot here. And that's all you want sometimes late in the fourth. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Kyle, let's uh, let's talk about the the Kyle Anderson part of that. Do we uh, have to? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's an, an interesting topic here because it goes both ways. I think two um, people are really picking up on. And 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 it's right. Like the the Wolves' offense is significantly worse with Kyle Anderson on the floor versus off the floor this season. And it's not that he's not a smart player. Um, it's it's not that he doesn't have uh, an ability to score in in the lane and be a passer and and all those sort of things. It's that um, he's not shoot. I think he's two for twenty from from three on the year. And and really the the twenty is almost as concerning as the two is. Yeah, mm-hmm. because uh, that wasn't the 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 case a season ago. That that three-point volume was double that uh and and it's it's causing some some spacing issues uh not necessarily or finch isn't to the point where like those are spacing issues to to the extent that he's like okay i can't play rudy and kyle he is continuing to play them together but saw that a bunch last night we've seen it a lot for maybe the last three weeks or so where it's in the scout Teams are playing off of him. Obviously, Rudy's not a threat on the perimeter. They, when Shake Milton was in the rotation, 
their opponents were playing off of him and it's bogging down the offense some, but it's not, it doesn't make sense to remove Kyle Anderson from the rotation. Cause you know, what is your alternative, right? You know, are you going to add shake Milton back into there? I know like people have seen like seven or eight Leonard Miller highlights or something and think he should be playing 14 minutes a game for this Wolves team. Um, it, this is a, a, a top team in the league. It, it doesn't have room to let a young, extremely raw player be able to do that. There's just right that. No, I know. You what, what, know what are the, yeah. What are, what are the, what are the options? I guess I, you know, I'm getting a bunch of messages and stuff after like Kyle Anderson can't play. This is, he's killing the offense, this and this and that. And I'm like, I'm, I'm seeing it. Yeah. Spacing issues. It's tough, tough watch when that's going on there. I guess I just don't know um, what the alternative is. I've talked a little bit about like they, they have him on ball a little bit more. He's playing more like point guard, point guard um, where you, you can't just leave the point guard wide open, you know, like they can leave him wide open in, in the corner. I think that's kind of a half measure that's getting there. But so I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know exactly what the solution is. It's probably the number one topic to talk about. Because seriously, we're, I think we're well under now two months left till the trade deadline. It's all going to move fast and furious. And it's not that he, ha- it's not that he is holding this team back by any means. Maybe he's not boosting it up as much as he did last year. Again, 10% from three is essentially your Rudy Gobert. Uh, but he's also the contract that makes the most sense. He's a bench player, you know, like he, he, he has a lot of characteristics of the piece that would make sense. He's also probably, in my mind, at least, I can think of at least 12 other playoff teams that would benefit from having Kyle Anderson on their team, right? Like Golden State, if they never get Draymond back, Kyle Anderson just becomes their Draymond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also think, too, and you've talked about this more with Britt and with Jace, but I I don't know. This is all eye test now. This is all vibes and what my little brain thinks. But I still love Kyle on defense yeah. because he's literally not fast enough to overreact to a player's movements, if that makes sense. Like he just kind of – he is – his defense is the prototypical YBL. Look at the player's belly button. Don't look at their eyes. Don't look at their arms or their hands. Like just follow their belly button and stay in front of them. But last night, you know, I don't know. Did he kill the offense last night? Like nine points off the bench, five rebounds, four assists, a steal, a block, one turnover. I literally go back and forth on like, you can tell now he knows he like the off. I think he's starting to shoot more threes again because they're talking behind the scenes like, hey, man, you have to at least. Yeah. be a threat and if you hit one maybe that's what will trigger you to have a season like you did last year now you'll hit two and you'll hit three right. uh but he took two you know what did you say he's two for 20 on the season we took two shots or two threes last night that's <laughs> a significant percentage of his season so he just needs to continue to be aggressive he does try to look for a shot more in, in kind of that mid-range where he kind of does that sky hook thing but uh i, I don't really have an opinion i just know that finch still yeah. loves him i joke that when things are going bad, Finch will just put him in. Just like, I don't know, just go pick go someone on. and take him out. Uh, and he does give them a nice, different defensive person. Like, he can guard centers, right? Yeah. Not He's not going to guard Joel Embiid for 28 minutes, but he can just give you different different looks and different coverages. But I don't know. I don't know. He He's the one piece that this isn't an anti-Kyle Anderson podcast or an anti-Kyle no. Anderson take. It's just he's the guy that makes the most sense because... I don't really know if anyone else on that team, you're not going to trade Nas Reed, you're not going to trade Nikhil, right. but you know, Shake Milton's probably not going to get you much. Wendell Moore's mm-hmm. not going to get you much. So Kyle will at least get you something. And as all these beautiful numbers and yeah, colors on the screen show, it's a uh, super it's, nerdy, but it's just, it, it's, it's tough. 
what I have it sorted by is uh, on-off differential on offense, right? And the offense this season has gotten the most worse when Shake Milton is <laughs> on the go. floor, and Kyle Anderson is the is the next most worst. They're six point one points per one hundred possessions worse offensively with Kyle Anderson on the floor this season than when he's off the floor. Defensively, they are a little bit better, um, about the same. And so, you know, I think we, you know, we have this belief, we have this understanding of being around the team, you know, the impact of Kyle, the person, the player, the leader, the teammate, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I do, you know, I, I, I've downplayed this, uh, a lot. I've kind of done the, you know, why are we talking about trading Kyle Anderson? I just don't see that happening. Um, to be fair, I need to acknowledge the, the numbers here too, is that this is an average offensive team and they drop drastically below average offensively when, when Kyle Anderson is on, on the floor and it, you know, again, I don't know what the internal answer is to replace that or change that out. I don't think Finch is really interested in trying to, to find that, um, it does open the question of if and when, or not if and when, when trade season comes around, you know, I think that's going to be the like basic element of, of conversation here is do you put Kyle Anderson in a trade or not? You know? Yeah. Because what, what I, what I noticed too, after in these last few games is like Finch has found his rotation, right? He's like, yeah, that was a good note. Yeah. We're, we're not messing around anymore. Um, it's eight, Right. It's it's Kyle, Nas and Nikhil off the bench. And then it's Troy Brown for maybe one or two, five minutes, six minutes stints. Forty two made baskets last night. Thirty two assists. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's that's, you know. And oh yeah, it, it just it just works. Right. It's starting to work like the that 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 rotation is the one that makes most sense um, for yeah. this roster. Eight as, guys as and a little bit of Troy. That's yeah. going to be the. And it might not even be Troy come playoffs time if this team doesn't make a single move, you know, and they get a buyout guy. But last night, that's again why I thought the box score was perfect. I thought the minutes allocated were perfect too. Mm-hmm. That that is their eight and a half man rotation last night, uh, yeah. unless they make a transaction. And and I'm but with that's you. what I'm saying is like what what is the transaction if it's not Kyle, right? And you you trade Shake Milton for Bones Highland, you know, like what wh- where does Bones Highland play? Cause he's not higher than any of those eight, you know? Right. And that's, it, that's why this is weird. And that's why it's going to be weird for the next seven weeks. And your mm-hmm. messages are going to blow up is because you don't often see a team that is a contender and also blowing away expectations. You, you know, like no one thought they'd be this good, not be in a position to add anything. Yeah. And the only really thing that they could add would be using Kyle. Cause you're not going to, I mean, there's also too, there is that, 2024 summer stuff there is all the dangerous words that are going to come up but you can't worry about that now like you just even if you want to right like you just can't you have to lean into this because this is what you essentially pinned your your whole career on (laughs) is this gobert experiment and it's working and you have all these guys so you're not going to trade carl you're not going to worry about any of that stuff but there is still in the back of my mind i don't even want to talk about it the whole summer 2024 do you lose both Mike and Kyle? Do you lose one of them? Who do you pick between? And when the Kyle stuff's a little not working as well, we just did 20 minutes on how the Mike stuff is working really well. Yeah, It's something that you at least have to think about. It's like, okay, well, if the Kyle stuff's not working super well 
and he might be he might bounce this summer. Do we try to find? But to me, I'm not going to bite on the Kyle Anderson trade talks until I can see. And you'll, I'm sure, promote a lot of this, but until I see a real deal that like makes sense, right? Because like sure. the Tyus Jones thing, I don't think is real, and they'd have to put so many pieces to make all that stuff work. I just don't know of an other another player out there that, like you said, that's going to come in. Who is it? Like who is that player at nine or ten million or maybe twelve million dollars if you pair Shaker Wendell? I just I don't see it right now, but. It's something to keep monitoring because back to your tweet, he was he spoke the most fluent French last year to try to make the the Rudy thing work when Carl went down. And now it is really, really difficult to play those two guys together. Yeah. No, it it's uh and and, and maybe, you know, that that's the good thing, right? About having fifty five more games or whatever, is maybe you can find something here that detracts from from some of those concerns and god forbid maybe an injury like you know you knock mm-hmm. on wood you don't want that to happen but if an injury does happen all of a sudden the pieces might make a little more sense right because i still worry if you're trying to make any move i don't think this team still has a backup point guard yeah i know point ant is fun and Nikhil can do stuff but i i don't think they have another adult that can play real serious minutes at that mm-hmm. position and that's no knock to jordan mclaughlin but he's just a limited player right, right. so that's the one area I would fix. And if Mike goes down, I do think Kyle is fits that role. He can do yeah. a lot of what Mike does. So I, just one, one last thing on the, yeah. the whole trade idea, Kyle or, or otherwise, I think, you know, part of the logic goes, all right, we are a contender. Um, we need to make a move to get even better because we're all in, we're going for it. Right. And then there's total, on paper logic in in that philosophy i think it's important to when we think about the trade deadline when we get there to remember how that and this is obvious that there's a limited amount of assets right of, of picks to be attached obviously no first i mean they got it they got a handful of seconds but it's like if you trade two or three of those seconds right at the deadline to you know, upgrade off of Shake or upgrade off of Kyle if you think that's a good idea. You don't have those two or three seconds this summer then to be able to make a trade when your roster is going to not have this full eight for sure, right? Like, because there's going to be questions about Conley returning or, or Anderson returning. And there might be when you go, all right, we're kind of cool with the eight, eight and a half we have in our rotation now. Why use the limited assets you have now to try to address something that might not even do anything rather than this summer when you don't have a locked in eight, eight and a half to maybe use those to go get someone that needs to, you know, replace whoever uh, in in the rotation there. So I get the idea of being all in and, and going all in and, and to that end, even considering a Kyle Anderson trade. But it kind of does that make sense? You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, saving some of that makes some sense here too. And you're right. And then the devil's advocate, and I don't know if I even believe this, but this is with respect to that Western Conference Finals Timberwolves team led by Kevin Garnett, Mm Charles Sprewell, and Sam Cassell. With respect to them and the most successful season ever in franchise history, this is so far the best Timberwolves team in franchise history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So to that end, you may be like, you know, I don't know if we're going to need a movement shooter in the playoffs, but I know we don't have one right now. So and maybe the, we got to trade two or three seconds to go. Get and I don't want to speak on the East because that's a different kind of beast. I still think the Celtics are God level, but the West is wide open. And, you know, the Nuggets aren't playing as hard as they need to right now. But 
outside of them, I really think that there isn't another team in the West that you would mm-hmm. stake your, you know, your career to, whether it be Phoenix, Sacramento, Golden State, the Lakers, any of the, the Clippers. So you're right. They are going to need asset management starting this summer. But the, the two-sided coin is that you also have built something that you tried to build and now you're close to the next level or contender status. Everyone's like, are you going to not throw some second round picks into the mix in February because you got to worry about what the books could look like in 2025? It's really tough and it's going to be a really tough conversation. It's going to make for great content over the next six to seven weeks because you could make a really good argument to not do anything and you could make a really good argument to kind of go more all in or make a move that you know, does dangle a, one of those one wonderful second round pick kids that are playing in Iowa. Like it's going to be really tough. And that's why you bring Tim Connolly in who all of a sudden now hasn't really missed on a transaction. So you kind of lean into, I don't know, what would Tim do? Like you trust that he's going to make the right move. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kyle, let's uh, let's talk about cat. Um, yeah, I was gonna. Do you want rapid fire quick? Because I just I wrote yeah, that yeah, yeah. tweets. Yeah, let's um, let, let's get through some of them. Just the the what my I don't really have a big thought on this other than I'm watching Carl play and he looks fast. Yeah, he looks so much faster than I ever had. And I, I asked Mitch about ask. We didn't get it. We should say about Carl first, I guess. Is um, he he left 54 the fifty-four minute mark? <laughs> hey, is Carl hurt? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean. I don't, I don't know. We didn't get like any real update uh, post game and just, I guess, inside baseball a little bit, like how it works is when a player does leave the game hurt, like they're not available to the media. So we didn't talk to Carl after the game. Um, He was getting treatment as, as we, as we left. Um, I didn't get Finch didn't give much of an update, but it didn't seem like a ton of concern. Just me sitting there live. Um, when when Carl kind of walked off the floor, it was like after he didn't get a foul call, like he went to the basket, didn't get a foul call and seemed sort of frustrated. And it was just kind of it just kind of looked to me like I'm worn out after having played 60 some minutes in the past 48 hours. Um, maybe I got a Charlie horse or something like that. And I'm, I'm walking to the side there. I, I didn't in the moment take it to be like, this is an injury. This is just like a, I'm going bench, but you know, he did go back to the locker room. Um, and we didn't, we, you know, we didn't talk to him after the game. I just, I don't know. I'm getting again. Yeah. Like you said, got a million messages of like, is Carl. Okay. I, I don't know. Sorry about um, that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I didn't get, I didn't get the, 
the sense he was. And I guess just the most important thing is we, we didn't get any sort of uh, any sort of update on it, but like Finch kind of alluded to, it wasn't even on that last play before like he, he's like, he took a hit earlier. I thought he got like teed up. You know what I'm talking about? And again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a reporter. I'm not a lot of things, but I just kind of thought he like took a thought, something to the thigh when he was driving. Uh, He does still fall down a lot. He does get a lot of contact. Although last Mm -hmm. night he had a couple of those, I don't know if they're back to back. We had those kind of runners in the yeah. paint that are. Yeah, this is I, what I want to talk about. Like, oh, okay, like, cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I would like, just say, yeah. Well, I don't know. I just feel like we should touch that uh, that element of it. And, it and we'll find out later today. Be, yeah. You know, they have an off day. They're traveling. They're going to Sacramento tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. So you'll get the injury report today that probably, you know, we'll see. Is he listed as questionable? That's a good sign. Probably if he's yeah. anything less than that, it's not a good sign. But uh, that's just also something to monitor too, right? Like this. This team has probably had better health luck than your average NBA team, although we can all think of how many games Jaden missed and how many games Ant missed and stuff. So it's just something to think about. But yeah, the, my, when I think about Carl last night, I think about your tweet that he was playing fast. And then also he has developed in it was at its peak, right? Was it against the Pelicans when he hit that kind of running like floater off the glass or whatever to win the game? Was that the Pelicans game? You know, like when he drove Pelicans game. Yeah. Yeah. Just like he, he has developed now this move or this set of moves that avoids charges. <laughs> and that was yeah. always a big thing. So point. now he can drive from the top, which has kind of been his Giannis thing that we've talked about in the past. And now he knows how to put that floater in the air, which also can then parlay itself into if I'm going in the lane, I'm going to put up a floater. I could also just make it look like I'm like a lob to Rudy. So there's all these different ways to kind of build off that. But Overall, and this was a big flagrant house topic, as you can imagine, but ever since that Boston Celtics game, this is probably all encompassing the best Carl has ever played. And that's not just production because that's not true. Like he's had bigger, better performances, but the maturity, the way Britt noticed this last night, the way that he would not get fouls called and be kind of amused by it rather than triggered or pissed off. That was also, I mean, he, he took a charge last night that was the most blatant like, oh, my God, that was a great charge that Carl just took. And there was a play on. I was like, what are you talking about? And he didn't freak out. He just got back up. So his play has been awesome. But when I think about last night, I think about Carl hitting those floaters. Yeah, it's I. So again, we didn't get to talk to Carl. That, that's just kind of the I went in the locker room thinking, like, that's my one thing I want to ask. All right, we don't get to talk to Carl. Um, I asked Finch and Conley about it. Like, I'm, are you seeing what I'm seeing and like the speed and what impact is that having? And what separately both Finch and Conley said was its decisiveness and and decisiveness looks like speed too. not to say that Carl isn't faster or doing that. Um, but that's always something we've kind of talked about of maybe what Nas can give sometimes that Carl d- doesn't give like that's one of Nas's best offensive as- attributes is his offensive decisiveness. And I think what we're what, what I'm seeing when I say he's playing so much faster is is probably just more decisiveness plus you know he did have the calf strain last year when he came back his legs were not physically there in the way that they are now too i mean i think that line of of thinking is is logical there too so um decisiveness and just using it more and being more mindful about how he's using that speed downhill to the basket um, it's it's the most frustrating when Carl leaves a game with like two or three threes attempted and he has two or three charges that, mm-hmm. that he committed, right? If he's only takes two or three, four threes in a game and you're like, well, 
but like the floater game was there. He was decisiveness on the decisive on the perimeter attacking. Um, you don't just sit there after the game and go, why did four different players on the team shoot more threes than Carl did tonight? Mm-hmm. You know, like it, it makes a, it makes a little more sense. And um, yeah, like being on the bone <laughs> with, uh, with Carl's offensive game too, you know, like that one of they, there's more threes, there's more stuff. Like I, I think his offense is going to get even better o- o- over the course of time here. One of my favorite things is I've done this long enough and I still, I still play basketball regularly at a lesser level, I guess, in the NBA. But you, you can tell if you have an eye for it. You have an, people have an eye for different things. I haven't, I feel like I have an eye for when you can tell a player is just really comfortable and not thinking. And I don't know, this is just eye test, but it seems like Carl has had more running tip-ins in the last 10 days than he's had in the last eight years, where he just flies through the air. gets That's feel. That's just, Mm -hmm. he's a half step quicker, not maybe even physically, although he does look great physically. He just is, he has transitioned now. He is a power forward, right? I know we don't love positions, but he has made that transition it has been promoted internally and externally that he has had to sacrifice the most. Whether you believe that or not, I kind of do. But now you're seeing that he has transitioned. How is that even up for debate? Right, right. No, I don't. It right. is. Hey, like, I, read I, mean, the, I, I read the mentions. Yeah. Okay. Speculative cum guy said I'm saving everyone's life last night. So he uh, he just doesn't think as much. And that's, again, it's like that's what you always say about Nas. He just doesn't think as much. And that allows them to play faster, play freer, zip the ball around more. And, yeah, it's – I still, if you had to pick anyone on this team though, that still has that quint or you know, that meat on the bone thing, it's Carl, right? Like, there's still so much to Carl's game. Whether it be and shooting we're more saying that or... after we just said he's playing the best basketball of his career, but that's probably that's that yeah. that builds into this sustainability thing, or is this real, or where can this go moving forward? Because we are only at the thirty percent mark of the season. Uh, if he, it, it, to me, it's like now if I found out Carl had thirty five in a game, I would guarantee they won that game. Because I just think everything else is so sustainable and so concrete. So he's for, still for is, sure. If it's a game that Ant and Mike and Rudy all play into, which yeah, play, yeah, that's yeah. yeah, that's a good stipulation. So uh, I don't know. I, I I'm with you on that. I also, if you have anything else on Carl, just no, take no, it no, away, no. But this was the least rapid. The other rapid. <laughs> the, the other thing I I took away from last night, and this is probably I guess the only, well the only one thing I want to say is Jared Vanderbilt is averaging one point per game. I just thought that I don't even know how that's possible, but. I was just, again, last night, Wolves, Lakers, such a history, all these guys. I respect and appreciate what they did during that one postseason run, but I think the Wolves just have some better players on the team now. Uh, do you get the sense when you cover this team, especially at home or when you're watching on the road like any fan does, that this team has a little bit of arrogance, but not that arrogance that drove us crazy in the past when they've never actually done anything, like they've never won two games in a row? Yeah, like I'm glad an, you brought that up. Like an arrogance of, we're not 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 that we're better than you, but that we're going to win the game. Because last night it seemed like again the Los Angeles Lakers are in town, and I never thought once that they thought they were going to lose right. to the point where they kind of played with their food a little bit. But that is yeah, like it another was, it was thing. weird, right? It was kind it kind of felt like that where you know it last season, right? A key theme was you know blowing first half leads right they'd kind of get up by 12 or whatever at halftime and get comfortable and they went on to blow a lot of those and it was like it was there would be these times where you're like all right there's a little hap- too happy go lucky right now in the second quarter 
when you're up by like 11, you know, and then, and then, and then you kind of have the PTSD thing. So you start like looking for it and you're like, and then, and then it happened, you know, they, they blew these leads to a lot of bad teams. And um, I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but last night felt the most like that to me um, when okay. I was watching that game where I'm like, you know, it was, it was like the, the two ant lobs in a row. The second one doesn't go. And it's like <laughs> laughing, you know, Nas and him are yeah. laughing up and down the court where Micah Norrie's on the bench with his head in his hands. And, and, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm like, this game does feel a little too close. Like, why is it 66 to 60? Like your body language to me looks like you're up by 22 points. Yeah. Um, and again, that's probably my PTSD of, of watching that happen last season. I, I put that down in my notes too. Like, played a little arrogant, but I'm not sure that's a bad thing. You know, like, uh, they did get it done. Mm-hmm. And they were right to be like, all right, like, yeah, it's the Los Angeles Lakers, but they don't have LeBron tonight. Like, we do expect to win this game. And there's a double-edged sword, right? You know, there's power in that, too. Mm -hmm. And it's also, you know, something you need to uh, caution yourself with. And I think Finch is really in tune to that, too. You know, as everyone was, you know, probably rightfully so, past couple years ripping on him for timeouts. I'm liking, like, he's, he's had a shift in his mentality i think uh surrounding timeouts where there was a even just like at the end of the game Dilo hits those couple shots and she's like we're still up nine or 11 or whatever calls the timeout there like let's not let this let's not let this spiral out um i think he catches them when they're feeling themselves a little too much but i'm not saying it's overall bad to be feeling themselves if that makes sense it was one of the first things he talked about post game when he addressed the media was just like he was a little, little pissed And that is maybe why I'm so pro Finch. Also, by the way, as of this morning, Chris Finch is now the betting favorite to win coach of the year. Just going to keep updating everyone on that. Uh, But no, that's, it's part of the reason why I love Finch because I don't, I'll never understand the X's and O's and all the stuff that you guys do, but from just like a, a personality manager and a managing a group of people, he's almost the one that gives the least damn about what they've done. He's always the one that kind of is putting them in their place. And I, from people you talk to, like that's also sounds like what it's like at practice or shoot around is not letting these guys egos or heads get too big because they are off to the best start in franchise history. They are 21 and six. They have been first place in the West for a month, but Finch is kind of telling them the same thing that your biggest Timberwolves critic would say is like, you haven't done anything and you keep getting really close to the burner. And last night was one of those, I think all of a sudden two minutes in the fourth, the Lakers were like up three. Yeah. You're like, hey, what, what? You're getting way too close to the burner, man. Like, step away and close this out. And that personality, that type of persona, is just as big as Ant being the number one weapon, Carl number two, and then Mike and Rudy number three. Like having that type of mentality in the huddle. Mm-hmm. Last night, I think it was during the first half, but like Leah Bielson came on and was like, yeah, Finch kind of got into him in the huddle. It's like I love that. Yeah. I love that because. There is an, a new arrogance about this. We always used to complain about the Wolves being like, why are you so cocky or arrogant? Like, you haven't done anything. Technically speaking, this team also hasn't really done anything, but it's a level more of maybe arrogance is the wrong word. Maybe it's more maturity yeah. or confidence, but they a- have arrogance, something. Yeah, has like this confidence negative connotation yeah. to it. And and if I'm saying I'm not sure it's a bad thing, then I shouldn't be using the word with the the negative connotation yeah. to it, you know? Um, but it, it, it it's something, and like, you are 21 and six that that is 
something to have a confidence uh, about too. And, and I think they're, I, I think all this is, is they're navigating their way through this. Like all the players have said, you know, we particularly once Mike and Nikhil got here last year, we felt like there was, there was something special here and they had higher expectations than all of us did. I don't think their expectations were this high. I mean, Kyle Anderson <laughs> yeah. said, said as much to us. Um, so they're, they're navigating, they're navigating this too. Is is I guess what I'm what I'm saying there. You got another. Do you get do you get a sense too? This is kind of it to wrap it up for the holidays. Do you get a sense that uh, at on home games the fans are like that too? Yeah. Like just like like not not an arrogance, but just there is at least I feel this talking to people that are going to games, seen online, a little more confidence brewing in like the fan in the fan base of. Not, you know, it was sticky last night in that fourth quarter, but mm-hmm. you just constantly believe. You have a belief, yeah, right? A belief, yeah. Maybe that's the word. Not arrogance, yep. but a almost naive belief, mm-hmm. you know? And um, it'll burn them. They'll, they'll lose a game because of it. They'll, they'll lose a game because at some point you play with your food learn from it. And yeah. learn from it. But yeah. uh, I, I think going back to what we said an hour ago about not losing two in a row, that this team learns from their losses. Yeah. I think... I have maybe not covered, but I've watched way too many Timberwolves teams that after that Philly game, getting kind of punked, having the whistle not go your way and all that stuff that you could pin your kind of whatever your complaints and excuses to. They just didn't. They just flew home and played a different brand of basketball less than 24 hours later. And that is the biggest thing. We went from, you know, depth and all that stuff last year to continuity this year. And now I just think it's trust and maturity Uh, words you rarely would describe a Timberwolves roster as. But. The maturity from top to bottom, whether it be Finchy, Conley, whatever, uh, it's just really great. And it's been sustainable so far. I know we're at the 30%-ish mark, but uh, they're also, you know, we talked about that 16-game stretch, right? 11 on the road, this disastrous schedule. They're in it right now, but they're 4-2. and two. Yeah. And I think it was like, hey, if they can just play 500 ball and survive this, the West is still cannibalizing itself. And teams are having, I mean, the Lakers won the in-season tournament and have completely cratered since then. So everyone in the West is going through something, but the Wolves just continue to kind of come to work. They're all active. They're all playing. And they trust one another now that towards the end of the game, I mean, I think they lead the league right now in like winning percentage in the clutch time. So it's crazy. Crazy stuff. I I don't, I don't expect them to be 500 over the 16 game stretch. I expect them to be over 500, right? Like if we were just setting setting the line, yeah, yeah. We're setting the line right now. Of this 16 game stretch, there's uh, 11 of which are on the road, all against over 500 teams when it started. And you know that they're now four and two. Like, what, what, if we had to set a line to bet on, what would it be? Like nine and a half? I mean, you you said 16 game stretch. Yeah, nine and a half. Nine and a half would be the number, actually. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't, I, I kind of expect them to be 10 and six over it you know nine and seven i i think like i think eight and eight is given what we've seen from the team a little disrespectful you know yeah and, and, and maybe it's so, us setting our the, the, the bar low or whatever i mean i've said it too i'm not but they are four and two over this stretch um and and they are gonna lose they are gonna probably lose some games over this time i don't think it's fair to assume i think it's wrong to assume that they're going to lose half of these 16 games i just I don't, I and don't and they will. And I also, and you have actually been good about this for me, but it's also really dumb to just look at a whole 16 game stretch yeah. and be like that, like 
because a week ago I would have thought LeBron plays, right? And then LeBron right. doesn't play. But mm-hmm. they do have a couple tough ones. I know now we can kind of close it out and then kind of talk about schedule. But they, at the Kings tomorrow night, that is the mm-hmm. team, in my opinion, so far this season that has given them the most fits. It yeah. didn't look great against Phoenix either, but I, I still worry about how the Kings play basketball and if they were to see each other in the playoffs. The yeah. Thunder, that's going to be awesome next Tuesday after Christmas. But then they're back home for the Mavs and the Lakers again. And it's like, you know what? Those games might have looked more difficult two weeks ago, but mm-hmm. they're probably going to be heavy favorites in them. So I'm with you. I think nine and a half would be the updated yeah, over-under total. Given but, that uh, it's already four and two. But I do think... I think I, I think my guess is 10 and six. I think that's my guess. But, but I do think that if they do inevitably come out of this eight and eight, that they're probably going to be first in the West still. And then you kind of get an easier schedule. This team has showed a much better ability to beat these teams that are lesser than them. Uh, and it's going to be fun, but they've, they've continued every, I love watching them after a loss. We always talk about getting punched in the face, but I always love watching them after a loss to see how they respond because one punch to the face and this team would have just cratered. And now it's, it's totally different and they have tough games coming up, but you got to keep winning these games. Got to keep winning these games because they are pretty healthy. We'll see what happens with Carl. I don't know. But Ant was fine, right? He like was holding his back. I don't know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So got to keep, plowing through wins which is what this team wants to do and yeah the rest will work itself out do you have anything else from that that you want to hit on or you want to do our final prize pick segment to wrap this up uh no let's just let's i, I will say you know again for everyone that's listening as we get close to the holidays i always try to throw this in there like you and i are just appreciative this has been the most fun we've ever had uh we got mm-hmm. cooper and cam really helping us out but uh just in case i forgot to say it at the end just everyone have a happy holiday safe travels um and you know winter solstice so now the days are going to start getting brighter or lighter i think longer so i just hope everyone has a really great holidays this has been so much fun these last couple months but you know continue to take care of yourselves continue to take care of those around you check in and uh yeah happy holidays i love it yep now let's get to what really matters (laughs) today's show is brought to you by prizepicks.com the prize picks app uh, $100 sign-up bonus if you use the promo code Dane. Um, this is a, you know, you're going to be sitting around on Christmas. They have a, they have like basically, they have a free square for Christmas Day. Um, it's Kevin Durant points, yeah. yeah. Yep, Kevin Durant, who scores a point, you get a free square in there. Yep, it's already, it's already up here on that. So, I mean, I think you're a basketball fan, obviously, because you're listening to this. Um, the Wolves aren't going to be playing that day. Like, that's just a fun thing. To, to have going throughout the course of the day. Get your free Kevin Durant square. You know, you everyone hates Joel Embiid now. So, you know, say he's not going to have <laughs> more than 35 and a half points. And, you know, just kind of you know, ride that over the course of the day. Put a, put a bigger one uh, together. Uh, I, I am now very interested in these uh, goblins and demons uh, options that they have that that give, like, added multipliers to it. I The, the one I had here is just, they, you know, Josh Allen on the screen, his actual just even odds number is more or less than 242 and a half passing yards uh, in their game against the Chargers this weekend. But if you bump it up goblin style to 274 and a half, so if he throws for 275 or more um, and, and you have that, that's a there's a multiplier to that. And if you do the, you know, the same thing, where's, where's Gardner Minshew here, right? Like his number is 223 and a half. But if you bump it up to 249 and a half, you say Gardner Minshew is going to throw for 250. You know, if if both Allen hits 275 and Gardner Minshew 
it's 250. Like, is that an even odds proposition? No, but just those two, those two things happen. That's six to one um, on, on your money right there. This is a added cool wrinkle uh, that that prize picks is having um, in addition to just a whole bunch of different things uh, they, they have every single week. I didn't really do a, a whole lot of like, this is, I, I like this one or that. I, I just focused on the, the goblins and, and the demons thing are depressed, but they're more likely to, um, you know, can you do hit. one of these reads with Brit? Just, I would love for him to pick his no, goblins and demons. I, I can't because, because I do the falling knife reads with, and he Brit. goes off. Yeah. And he tells and, you about how he, to brew beer. I love about, it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I actually, I just, I just should to, to see he's going to be like what just, just drop like yeah what do you like do you like jake browning as a goblin or a demon this weekend brit just ask him that next time uh i am not sure i'm allowed to make picks anymore yeah you keep hurting people uh i like to apologize to anyone who had jamar chase in fantasy he uh, picked him last week and then fast forward a couple hours in the game and he's in a sling uh so the vikings my vikings play the detroit lions this weekend mm -hmm. so i'm going to pick two lions uh, and keep this momentum going. So yeah, I'm I'm on Ross St. Brown over 0.5 rushing and receiving touchdowns. Um, that's also a demon. So a little mm. juice on that one. And then David Montgomery over 59 and 52 and a half rushing yards. David Montgomery is really good. I know you're done with fantasy. I'm done with fantasy, but he's gone over that mark the last five games. Um, the Lions might be back again. They're tough indoors. So Give me two lions. Uh, never want to pray for Mon injuries. Montgomery's but was 52, 52 and, a half, and a half rushing yards. Yeah. All right. I'm trying to. I'm not picking a Viking ever again as long as Prize Pick sponsors the podcast because <laughs> I'm afraid that I'm going to get someone in a hospital. So uh, yeah, throw those two in there. Throw them with some of Dane's. Picks. Yeah. Look at look at this. Okay. So if the I mean if Lock Josh Allen if Josh Allen throws for two seventy five, uh, Gardner Minshew throws throws for two fifty. Amara St. Brown scores a touchdown and David Montgomery gets over 52 and a half rushing yards for a $20 entry. You would get $500 if you won that. And Merry again, Christmas. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Let's, uh, we got, we got three. Th th those ones are the demons. Yes. We got three, three of those there. I don't know. I mean, it, it it's all fun. Just, I just think it's fun, right? It, it's fun. And maybe don't do $20, do five. Right, and if you you're know? playing today on Friday, December 22nd, I think they have like a $50 protected play. So basically you can play and get your money back. Uh, they're doing all these Christmas specials too. I know yeah. way too much about this, but uh, they're one of the people that sponsor us. So as we always say, support those that help us and support us. Uh, prize picks, promo code Dane for $100, up to $100 match on your first deposit. Yes, sir. Um, all right, Kyle. Schedule got, talk. Uh, Give me like I'm a fan of the pod. Yeah. I listen to it, so I don't have to hang out with my family. Like, what's up? What's on the radar this next? The rest of 2023. Yeah, we're gonna um, Chris, or Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, Sunday, Monday. Um, so we're we're not gonna record on on Christmas. the The next episode will be on Christmas. We're gonna record Christmas Eve morning after the Kings game. Chris and I are gonna talk about that. We'll do that one quick before we go and uh, see our families. And then um, the next episode will be after the next game, which is they they play the Thunder on the on the twenty sixth, and Jason and I will will talk about that one as well. And yeah, we're not going to skip anybody next week. Britt will go on Thursday, and and you will go on Friday. Who do they? They they have the Mavs and the Mavs and the Lakers again there too. So 
it's kind of we're, we're trying to as much as possible. It's not always possible to immediately have one after every single game. But you and Britt and Jace and Chris have been cool with moving off of your your day of the week to, to be able to make that happen. So, yeah, we'll do we'll do one more before Christmas and then we'll be we'll be back at it um, on, on Wednesday. And uh, yeah, enjoy taking a couple days off. But there will be if you're traveling on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, you're traveling back home afterwards, you'll have uh, we have this pod with, with Kyle and I, plus uh, whatever Chris and I talk about after the Kings game on on Saturday. And we'll keep we'll keep going. It'll We're be about a week away from that week away from the first year anniversary of the uh, infamous players only meeting after they lost to the Pistons. And I think Luca Garza had to do like media or something. So I'm excited for New Year's Eve. And I remember being just outside of that locker room for a very long time. <laughs> Was... Hey, would you like to go celebrate New Year's or would you like to ask Luca Garza what it felt like to lose to the Pistons? <laughs> sick, sick human beings, you media reporters. But I uh, know I appreciate you, sir. Happy holidays. Uh, best to all man. you and your family. Thanks to everyone that supports us and listens. And unlike basically every other aspect of corporate America, myself included, uh, we will continue to work next week. So no days off. <laughs> yes, sir. He's uh, he's Kyle Tige. Uh You listen to him uh, over uh at Flagrant House with Phil Mackey, Score North uh, YouTube channel there. And uh, he's always got some sort of, this is everything is so much better than it's ever been. Uh, tweet other That bit, dude, that. The people love that bit. I don't know if I love it anymore, but it's, uh, it is fun because this is the best season start of any, you know, a lot of, there are a lot of diehards that I'll tweet that out and I'll be like, I remember watching Pooh Richardson run high pick and rolls yeah. with this guy that ended up, being arrested 10 months later it's like wow like things were really bad and it is fun because this season if nothing else we don't know how the playoffs turn out but it it's just cleansing a lot of moments and scar tissue and bad nightmares of the past uh it's a really really fun thing and i've just tried to document it so 21 and 6 best start in franchise history and uh we'll see if they can continue much like Christmas, right? Uh, enjoy it. Don't let it stress you out, right? Like that's that's the the mentality of this this wolf. <laughs> Good season, work, right? you know what I'm Good saying? Work. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Christmas is weird, like that. It can be family, different things. Like I know I still did Christmas shop. It is stressful, and like there's a stress to like the the wolves being this good too, and Embiid fouls, and it's all this, and we get so electrocuted. It's like let's uh, let's just keep Let's everything. Grab some in wine. Right? Get around the tree. Yeah. Uh, and Felice Nazvidad. Boom. He's Kyle Tige at Kyle Tige. Um, listen to him uh, on Flagrant Powell's. Follow him on Twitter at Kyle Tige. I'm Dane. Uh, until Saturday morning, Christmas Eve. Uh, Sunday morning. Sunday morning is Christmas Eve. Yes. I got you. Yeah, 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 I don't. I don't know. I, it, it, it all blurs at this point. Here. Until Sunday morning with Chris Hine. He's Kyle. I'm Dane. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.